0: Hello, everybody, and welcome in to another episode of the Iowa Tigers podcast here at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm Ben Fredrickson, joined, as always, by Dave Matter, who is set up in the Columbia Bureau, here to look at another week of college football versus COVID, Dave. It's the, uh, it's the toughest matchup. Um, any college football team is going to play this season. Um, we've got some updates on Mizzou. Wanted to get your thoughts on the Big Ten and also maybe talk a little hoops as well with Conzo Martin starting to round out um, his recruiting class during a, a pandemic. So we'll touch on all those things here on the On the Tigers podcast. But first, a word from our sponsor. All right, Dave, let's start national. Um, we have, uh, we've talked a lot on this podcast about, you know, three versus two in the uh, Power Five conferences, three playing, two not. It's now four v. one. With the Big Ten coming back online, the first conference to say it was not playing football this reverse that decision. What do you make of the back and forth of this, uh, and kind of where things stand right now? With the pac Twelve being the only conference of the Power Five that's not playing as at this point, although they might they might try to be now.
1: Right, right. Well, it, you know, it, it sure looks like the the Big Ten jumped the gun, but I think and what they've really focused on since announcing earlier this week that they were going to come back is that they're going to have rapid daily testing. And I think maybe if they said all along from the beginning, Hey, we'll, we'll play this fall. Um, once we know that we'll have rapid daily testing for all of our athletes every day. And if they would have said that it maybe would have gone over a little bit better and they would not have been criticized so much. And they would have had these coaches, you know, teeing off on, on their, essentially on their conference commissioner and on, their own campus leaders uh, and, and the whole process would have been a little bit more, you know, a little smoother, but um, you know, I I think all's well that ends well, and we're far away from the end, but um, welcome back big 10 pack 12. Maybe you can join us too in college football this season. Uh, it, it was funny on, on Wednesday, Eli Drinkwitz, Missouri's coach was asked about the news of the day or the news of the week that the big 10 was coming back and that poor guy's got more to worry about than the big 10. And he, uh, his quote, I'm, I'm looking it up here. He's, I've got enough crap to worry about playing Alabama. I can't figure whether or not the Big Ten or Pac-12 are going to yo-yo around and play football with us or not. If they're playing, great. Love it. Love the game. Awesome game. Best game in the world. So that was yeah.
0: Eli. Well, that tells us that Eli's dauber is down a little bit because uh, if this was about a month or two ago, he might come up with a pretty nice uh, wisecrack about the Big Ten yeah. coming back to the, the football party. Um, but he's, as you said, he's got plenty on his own plate here and and we're going to get into Mizzou's situation as well. But I I do want to, to kind of, I guess maybe maybe give listeners a bit of a warning here, whether it's Mizzou or, or any of these big 10 teams. Um, I would just have uh, optimism, but low expectations for, for what this season could look like in terms of performance from some of these teams. Um, You know, we have to, we have to, I'll be on the same page as how we're going to evaluate this season. Um, a lot of these big 10 teams, you know, they haven't been, they haven't been able to move forward. Like, like some of the the other power five teams, there's going to be, there's, there's actually shutdowns on certain big 10 campuses due to, to COVID. Um, the way that these teams are moving forward is players are going to be out for 14 to 18 days. Not if they test positive, if they're, if they're found to be, be made in contact with someone who is, is a, a risk. So there's going to be games that are played with a lot, a lot of players in them. Um, I think all season long, just based off the rules. So I'm not sure what kind of quality of football we're going to see, but uh, but we'll see some sort of football this fall. I mean, do you think the big 10 is going to be at a disadvantage because of this delay that it had and kind of this, this rush back?
1: Yeah, probably maybe not as a punch of a disadvantage of not playing at all in the fall. So it's, it, it beats the alternative. I, I think yeah. it's naive to think that there won't be big 10 games canceled this year. I mean, the rules that they put out for their return to play for one, if, if a player does test positive in the big 10, he's out 21 days. It's not, it's not just 14 it's 21. So you're could miss three games for a positive test. They don't have a built in bye week. It's nine games and nine weeks. So there's not that flexibility. Say if, um, you know, Illinois and Minnesota, if they've got a bunch of positives on one team and they got to cancel their game, there's, there's no room to, to play it again later down the road. And then you're talking about getting into some really cold weather uh, months there or weekends in, in a lot of those Big Ten markets that it'd just be unbearable for, for uh, to, to have a game, even if you're not going to have fans. And I think, too, their, their shutdown threshold uh, is only a 5% positivity rate. So if they hit that benchmark on their team – um, then, then they can't play that week. So that's, that's, you know, much lower than what we've seen uh, at least what the big 12 has announced. I think that might be the only conference that has announced any kind of thresholds. There's is you have to have 53 players available. And then they have certain position thresholds too. The SEC is they're going to have that in place. They haven't announced it yet. I'm not sure they will publicly. They probably will. They always, you know, they're, they're pretty, uh, they've been waiting a long enough on this and kind of playing the, uh, the slow game on this—I'm sure they have that already. But um, yeah, I mean, it's games are going to get canceled. They're going to get postponed. It's just going to happen. We're seeing it every week, even in the major conferences.
0: I see a couple things. I'm trying to look forward and not just be armchair quarterback on what has happened since. Yeah. I see this being a massive headache if they do get to the point where you can have a college football playoff. the, this, the, The questions about you know this being rigged and certain teams getting favoritism how are you supposed to analyze a conference only schedule? Some of which games, some of these teams might play five games. Right. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see how that pans out if we get there. And I hope that's a problem that we, we have to sort through because that would mean that everybody plays enough games for there to be a college football playoff. Um, the other thing that I, I look at is, you know, I think early on you and I talked about the big 10 and this decision and, you know, whether it was right or wrong, we'll, we'll find out, but the idea of making that decision not to play so early. Um, right. I never understood that. I, in the SEC, I thought, they did it right when they said, we don't know that we're going to play, but we're going not going to decide today. And you see the Big Ten now got evidence of rapid testing being available and, and, and that their opinion changed. They also faced considerable backlash from everyone from players to parents to coaches to the president of the United States I mean it was it was remarkable the pushback it received but that was partly because the other conferences pressed on so I I think the main thing would be don't you know the Big Ten made a mistake by deciding way too early what it needed to do Um, take the information you have up to the moment that you're forced to make the decision and then make the best one you can possible so we'll, we'll see what the SEC rolls out in terms of if it's going to tell us publicly what will cancel or pause games yeah. beforehand, um, that's kind of been a floating metric. So seeing that on paper would be, would be interesting. And then they'd have to, of course, stick to it. We're, all, we're also going to see, I think, looking forward, I, I think we'll f- start finding out less and less about what's happening on, with these teams right. in terms of positive tests, um, number of players under observation. There seems to be confusion on that. So can you let's start there? And I want to transition this into Mizzou. We hear, "Hey, Missouri's got 12 players who are out for the Alabama game. No matter what, it's decided today. There's no way they'll be back." Right? People are going to say, "Oh my gosh, they have 12 players positive." That's not the case. We know they have had as many as seven. Um, that on the latest update, seven positive cases, but people are going, why are there twelve? So can you explain for folks who are trying to put this together why they already know twelve guys are out for the Alabama game? Why that number could
1: grow even if there are no more confirmed positive cases? Right, it's all about that fourteen-day quarantine window, and um, so basically, if if you test positive, okay, then you're in isolation, then through contact tracing. They figure anybody who was a close contact of you during the period of infectivity, when you were uh, contagious, when the the, uh, virus, when you were infected, uh, that's, they define that as being around somebody within six feet for 15 minutes or longer when one of the two of you weren't wearing a mask. So like playing football against someone in practice uh, or living with someone, a roommate. And so when they go through the contact tracing, anybody that qualifies under those scenarios um, also has to quarantine. And that's the SEC protocol. That's the rule. And it's not just, hey, quarantine until you test negative. It's quarantine for 14 days minimum. No, there's nothing that can change that. You can, you can test positive or test negative. It doesn't matter. You still have to quarantine for 14 days because, because of the incubation period. You can, you can be infected. Uh, and still not test positive yet, because it, it, it may not show up yet. So that's why. We've already passed, I think it was as of this past Sunday, anybody that tested positive or was contact traced through those uh, positive cases, as of last Sunday, was, was going to be in quarantine for two weeks, meaning they were going to miss the Alabama game on September 26th. So as of Wednesday, we're doing this on Thursday, Wednesday night, Eli Drinkwitz said the number is 12. And he was asked to clarify, well, how many of those 12 are positive? And he says it doesn't matter. As far as who's available for the game, out is out, whether you're positive, negative, asymptomatic, symptomatic. If you're in that quarantine window of 14 days, you can't play in the game. And then he added to it, you know, that's just as of Wednesday. They tested again Wednesday. They're going to test three times a week uh, for now under the SEC rule. It's every Sunday, every Wednesday, and every Friday. So they'll test again um, they tested it again Wednesday. They don't know the results that, or they didn't when we talked with him. And then they'll test again Friday. And then they'll test again Sunday going into game week. So that number, it won't get smaller for the Alabama game. It, it could get bigger.
0: And it could be basically if someone, if you have a, an incident where you test positive or come into contact with someone who's believed to be positive, you're going to miss a game now. Right. That's, that's the set that's the because there's not a game – There's not a a break between games that would be long enough to get cleared by the rules Mizzou is operating under um, and and all the SEC teams. Um, I wonder if that's going to be something looking back if we wind up talking more about why didn't college football not delay the start but start earlier and give themselves as much time between games as possible. I wonder if playing weekly is going to be looked back upon and going, oh, there should have been more, more week, weekends off built in, a longer schedule with with more time in between. Hindsight being 2020, um, we'll see if uh, we'll just. I'm curious to see how many teams will have close to a full, you know, first team offense and defense on the field for for these games. It will be interesting, and I guess it probably will increase the amount of those those full strength teams toward the end of the season, as long as they keep playing. Right. I mean, we heard LSU coach Ed Orgeron basically said most of his players on his team have, have had interactions with the virus and are out on the other side of it. So you would think that their testing would be pretty smooth. Um, I don't know that that's the approach anybody wants to take. Right. Cause they, right. everybody get no it. But if uh, you know, it's uh, that's, that's, he's, he got some pushback for that, but that seems to be, that seems to be, be something that's going to be discussed is if you've had a team that's that's clashed with it then then you know you're probably going to be back as long the, the downside of course being that somebody might not have a full recovery and you could have a disaster and it would be a nightmare scenario there and, and that's right. kind of where college football is right here right um so that's but but i did want to Drinkwitz has usually been upbeat he's been positive he's been he's been you know focused but this is hitting him hard i mean you can tell in his comments and and in these zoom interviews that this is this is this is not something he can prepare for it's not something any coach can prepare for
1: yeah it's hard enough taking over a team that has been essentially a 500 football team for the last 4 years in the toughest conference in America and you've got this grueling schedule that opens up Alabama, Tennessee, LSU and um that's hard enough and then you throw onto it you're missing players we don't know who's missing he's he's made it pretty clear they're having some serious uh, turnover on the offensive line. I think he said they've had five different left guards in five different days. Number one left guards. That's been an issue. Um, you know, he, he doesn't. He said Wednesday he still hasn't settled on a quarterback yet. Uh, it's going to be one of two guys. But you know that has to add a little bit of uh, tension or angst if you're if you're an offensive guy if you're the quarterback coach, which he essentially is, and you and you're not sold yet on one guy or you don't even just going into a season there's a comfort level when you know who that quarterback is going to be um so yeah I, I think it's understandable I I, I don't, I'm not sure I we should necessarily feel sorry for the head football coaches when they deal with this stuff because we're all dealing with COVID in different ways and uh he's handsomely paid to uh deal with problems but yeah it's tough it's, it's really tough and I, I think if you step back though and you think about what this is all going to mean um, not to say he's going to get a free pass for every decision he makes this year, but no one's going to come down and criticize the first, the job he's done this year. If this team struggles, uh, like we probably expect them to, to some degree, if they go three and seven, um, if, if they get, I don't know, blown out should be the expectation. But I think they are 24 point underdogs against Alabama and some might think that that's generous for, for Missouri. Uh, but this is going to be just a really, really tough year. It was going to be anyway. And uh, you know he's just been dealt a pretty tough hand here.
0: Well, the other thing to keep in mind is there's Alabama's in the same boat here, not knowing what it's dealing with. I mean, Alabama could show up to play and be missing half of its team. Right. I mean, that, that's that's the that's the ultimate equalizer. The virus doesn't care if you're Alabama or Missouri or or Middle Tennessee State. Um, you know, it can. That's going to be that that effect on that season, on that part of the season, and, and how that's factored in, or if it is when it comes to evaluating teams, like I said, when we get to that college football playoff will be, will be truly fascinating. Um, Do you punish a team for having, um, having, you know, games that were affected by the virus? Is that part of how you evaluate a team, how well they kept up? I mean, these are all questions that are that none of us ever thought we'd be sorting through. Um, So that's the latest on football. I wish we were breaking down the, the too deep of the depth chart here, but we don't know who's on it. So that's where we have to stop for now. Um, and hopefully, you know, we'll get more clarity as that game against Alabama comes closer, but Dave, I did want to touch quickly on, on, on Tonzo Martin, um, his recruiting, it has continued, um, during the, uh, the chaos of the pandemic and, and the latest commit for Missouri basketball is one that folks around St. Louis are, are familiar with and going to become more familiar with, uh, the big man at Dismet, Yaya Kieta. He's a, a large, large center who's got a fascinating story and an interesting connection there with his high school coach being Kent Williams, who was, of course, an assistant under Konzo's at, at Tennessee. So a nice little in there for a DeSmet team um, that's starting to produce some pretty talented basketball players under Coach Williams. So potentially, you know, you don't one player doesn't make a pipeline, but you do you you do have to say it's good that Konzo's got a foothold in there with a player who seems to fit the system and, and could help this team.
1: Yeah, I think that's the key part. I mean, nobody that coaches high school basketball in our area, uh, maybe anywhere, knows what a Konzo Martin player is better than than Kent, and he's got one in Yaya. Whether he picked Missouri or not, I think we could say he's a type of guy that would fit in to this program. He is not a super polished offensive player. I think he averaged about nine points a year as a ju- nine points a game as a junior. And, Grant, part of that is they're a really balanced team. They've got, you know, several Division One guys on that team, so they don't rely on one player to score 20 points a game. But he is a relentless rebounder. I mean, he is a – he's a chiseled specimen. I mean, he, he's going to be uh, – he's going to look the part as a freshman in the SEC. 6'9", um, he uh, – he, great team guy by all accounts, a leader in that program, very good high school program, obviously. Uh, I, he'll embrace all of the defensive things, all of the uh, selfless platitudes that, that Konzo Martin will, it, we know he instills in teams and expects. So I think he's a good fit. Uh, he's not somebody that they're going to sign to expect to be a, you know, a one and done player that's going to average 18 points for him a game as a freshman, but a good piece and, and they need a, they're going to need a big man. I mean, they're losing Jeremiah Tillman. Um, you know, they're, this is not, you know, 1985, where you're going to put a seven-footer out there and then a 6'10 power forward and, and play through the post. I mean, the game has evolved. Gonzo Martin has evolved uh, to some degree, you know, as far as lineups go. But you, you need a big guy and you need a rebounder. And, and it looks like they're getting an instant one uh, in Yaya.
0: Yeah, interesting to see how uh, he develops at Mizzou, if he can become a more polished offensive yeah. player. But the, the rebounding is impressive. The size is – and strength is, is college ready now. Um, quickly, Dave, and then we'll run. Uh, is Michael Porter Jr. going to become uh, an NBA champion? Who's,
1: who should doubt this team right now? I mean, they've got to play <laughs> the Lakers. Um, so they've got a big hurdle in the way. I, I just think his storyline has been so fascinating. He's not anywhere near the best player on that Nuggets team. He's not the most important, he's not the most valuable, but he's like, he's the most newsworthy it seems like and part of it's just all self-inflicted because he just can't help himself the things that he says and even when he's right he's still wrong you know it's like they lose that game four and he scored 15 points so I guess he was feeling a little chesty afterwards and like well maybe if you know some other players get to shoot the ball we'd have a better chance of winning Mm -hmm. and he might have been right I mean you know you watch Nuggets games and it's it's Jokic and it's Murray, and the, Jokic and Murray, and that's it a lot of times in crunch time. And then Porter hits a big shot in game five and big shot in game six, didn't do much in game seven. He's coming off the bench. Uh, he's he's kind of taking his lumps. I will say this for Michael Porter Jr. I looked up the other day, going into game seven, people give him trouble for, um, you know, toughness, you know, his in, being injury prone. He's now played the equivalent of 34 college games with that of 40-minute college games, of never coming out. He's played a lot of minutes this year. You know, he's—I wouldn't say he's proved himself. To, he's not an all-star or anything like that. But the guy's played a lot of basketball this year. He's—I still call him a Zoo's 53-minute man because that's all he contributed on the floor to the Tigers. But he's—he's um, he's in the NBA Western Conference Finals.
0: How about that? Um, feeling chesty and uh, going up against LeBron. So. Yeah. Hey man, who would have uh, who would have predicted it? Um, it's uh, it's a crazy season, and uh, all across the board. Dave wanted to tell folks that they can find all of our Eye on the Tigers podcast very easily. Go to stltoday.com slash podcast. You can go to iTunes wherever you're you're uh, looking for your podcast fix. We can find us just punch in Eye on the Tigers, and we appreciate you doing that. Hang with us here as we continue to get closer to. Mizzou football season. We'll do the best to keep you updated. Keep it locked at stltoday.com for all of your Mizzou football coverage and basketball and everything from Dave who keeps Mizzou covered uh, all across the board. Dave, have a good week, man, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right.
1: You too.